This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back this week to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Kyle, can you lead off with the topic? Yeah, so this week we're going to discuss a little bit how banks work. We're going to try to not go super off the rails in depth to where your eyes glaze over and you don't understand us or you think we're tinfoil hat people. (laughs) But uh, we just think it's important to understand. And we also get questions about like Nelson saying in his book, don't use banks. And, you know, we'll talk about why he says that. And I mean, there's some merit to what he's saying. Oh, absolutely. I I didn't know this until um, I started researching IBC and um, through all the books I listened to and podcasts. Um, it's where I learned it. But, you know, I think oftentimes people think that a bank has to get a deposit in. And so if they, for instance, have $100 um, deposited with them, they can then take that money and lend it out. Some people may not even think that the bank is lending out their money. They may think that the bank is lending out their own money, mm-hmm. but that is definitely not the case. No. Um, the bank is mostly lending out money that doesn't exist. Yes. Now, let's, let's jump back just a little bit here. Um, so when Nelson wrote his book, uh, the, the common standard was banks could lend out uh, for every $10 that they had on deposit, they could lend out $100. Mm-hmm. All right. So $90, basically, that they lend out does not exist. Mm-hmm. Where'd it come from? They expanded digits on a page. Yeah. But when you think about that, the bank can literally generate income in the form of interest from money that never existed. <laughs> never existed. If we did that, we would go to jail. Yes. As fraud. <laughs> I mean, it is the craziest <laughs> Um, it, it's uns, it's in it's unreal. Yes, and that's why um Nelson says don't do business with banks, and he also said that banks lend out money that doesn't exist, and that is evil, which, and that weakens the purchasing power of dollars, and which it definitely does. I mean, you can definitely tell just from the seventies when we got taken off the gold standard. You know, um, there was still some fugazi going on before that, but just how much purchasing power we've lost since the seventies. How much pur- purchasing power we've lost in the last 20 years? I mean... In the last two years. The last two... Well, yeah. The last two years. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, but... And we have this in one of our blogs. Um, I don't remember which blog it is off the top of my head. And I don't remember the date. But um, I do believe it was around when COVID began that this reserve uh, is called like the 10% reserve was taken away. So banks did not have to have any reserves to lend out money mm-hmm. at this point in time. Yeah, and, and you know, this has happened since the beginning of time. Like the Romans did it. They um, started like... With gold coins. Yeah, their gold coins. They started like clipping them and things like that. And eventually, you know, it and all... They and would, they would take those clippings and melt them into more gold coins. Mm-hmm. Even- eventually, though, the currency just collapses. Yeah, and then they... Uh, I believe then they started uh, mixing in metals. Yep. Uh, not 
precious metals, you know, but other metals, and then they would coat it in the gold. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this has been done for, you know, probably as long as humans have had some type of exchange, medium of exchange. Because nobody and, ever has enough money. No. And it never seems to work out well. So, um, this is, um, in recorded history, to my knowledge, the the U.S. dollar is, you know, this is the longest a monetary, fiat monetary system has ever lasted. Yeah. To my own personal knowledge. And we're not saying that, oh, yeah, it's, you know, this is the year it's going to be over. Oh, absolutely not. This has nothing to do with that. This is just about, you know, Nelson brought this up. We said we were going to bring it up after last week's podcast, you know, how this system works. And there's, I mean, there's also just a bunch of corruption too and it's central banking like Karl Marx you know the the guy wrote the communist manifesto like he talks about in his book like you have to have a central bank you know in order for communism socialism to work and that's I mean that's exactly what we have is these central banks they finance both sides of wars um you know they like seeing war and things like that because they get a profit off of it um so yeah, there's just a lot of other things that this type of banking system, you know, well, allows with, to happen. Without a central banking system, a war, it just it can't happen. Yeah. There how, isn't enough money in the system. And I mean, think about it. The first um, you know, we got the Federal Reserve Act or whatever, nineteen thirteen, and then World War One started in nineteen fourteen. I mean, we couldn't have funded that war without um And look what happens when war happens. Countries go into debt. Yes. And, I mean, you can read in Eustace Mullen's book that, that um, talks about the central banks, the Federal Reserve. Um, you know, those central banks in Europe and you know, um, the United States were funding both sides of the war. They were funding the Germans. They were also, you know, while funding the United States. So, yeah. Good business to be in, I guess. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, and I want to lead this back to IBC a little bit here, is people... Sometimes uh, tend to sensationalize what IBC is, and they say, "Well, look how profitable it is to be a bank, you know. So we can do if we do this and become our own bank, then we can be that profitable." And I understand <laughs> the, the correlation they're trying to make, but that mm. uh, a life insurance company in itself is a one hundred percent reserve system. Yeah. So they can't create dollars. Yeah, they can't create dollars. Dollars that you get from a policy loan, it's likely that money is likely uh, incoming premium that the life insurance company is diverting off to your policy loans from their general account. Yeah. Yeah. It's they can't have a hundred dollars and lend out a thousand dollars like I did uh, with that earlier example. I think I used one dollar and ten dollars then. Yeah. So that I mean, you're going to be recapturing some interest, which I mean, we don't really like saying it that way. But when with using your policy, but you, when a bank can take something that literally doesn't exist and get a return, that is an infinite return, and you cannot get that. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Policy that um, those, and I wish that people would stop doing that too because it's just sensationalizing something. And honestly, if people, if you're telling people this as an agent for any agents that are listening, if you're telling people this, and then those people find out later that they, whoa, you said that this would be as profitable as a bank. And, you know, they start researching this and whatnot. 
Are you liable for that? No. But are they going to be happy with you when they actually understand what's going on? No. No. And it so tarnishes. Don't it, do that. Don't. It, it tarnishes the IBC name too. And insurance. You know, yes. Insurance in general. They will be thought of as snake oil, you know, type stuff. You know, I, um, I believe that, you know, people always say that the insurance industry has given um, themselves all their own black eyes. They've caused all this problems and whatnot. I'm not sure that the actual, you know, insurance industry has. It's, and well, maybe in a, in a sense it is because the people are part of the industry, but it's the people that are a part of the industry that are selling the products, mm-hmm. you know, the whole life insurance, the disability insurance. Um, universal life insurance, term insurance. It's it's the people that have marketed this in a way that uh, it is a half truth at best. Maybe is the best way to say that it. makes it sound better than it is, and they hope they can get the sale easier, faster. Yeah, more of them. So yeah, and yeah, I mean that's like Kyle and I have said in the past. You know, we're just here to say it how we see it. We're not. We don't want to sensationalize it. We want it. We want people that work with us to realize, you know, the longer they're with us, the more and more truth there was to how we presented this concept and this product to them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we don't toot our own horn that much, but, you know, I think I will here. Like we've, we've been told that from other people too, that they've talked to other practitioners and stuff. And they said that, you know, I've never been told, you know, or explained how the spread works, like how there's usually not a spread and like you guys didn't sensationalize this and um you know and somebody told me this and they were wrong and you were right you know and just uh for a really short recap the spread you know people oftentimes very often will say well this company has a uh let's just say a 7% uh dividend rate and the loan rate is 4% on this policy so i'm getting a 2% spread positive spread that is not what is happening in almost every circumstance, because your actual internal rate of return, what your money is actually growing by, is not 6%. No. Oftentimes, it will be lower than what the loan rate is at the company. And we've said this before in other podcasts, when you logically think about this, we already said earlier, the insurance companies are 100% reserve systems. They can't just print money and make money exist that didn't exist, you know, um, prior to expanding the digits on a page. All right. So if the insurance company is paying you a larger dividend than what they are charging on money that they loan you, how would that work? How would they ever stay in business? <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm not saying that it never happens because it does happen sometimes, but it's sure as heck not on a policy right when you start it. And it, it's just, it's not something that happens very often, period. No, no. But I think, you know, kind of the point of this episode was just to make it clear, like, you know, why Nelson said what he said about never do business with banks. But it is uh, like like Nelson said, I mean, it is evil. And, you know, the people that work in the bank itself, they aren't snakes and dragons, but the way the system works. Yeah, I mean, I agree with them. Yeah. You know, Um, most people that work in the banking industry don't understand how this works. They don't understand um, fractional reserve banking and, you know, things along those lines. So like, like another person that we follow, Kyle, they just said, you know, the banking industry, it's just, it's just ledgers and it's just keeping track of who owes who what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's what it is. 
if you're interested in learning more about this stuff, I do recommend um, following George Gammon on YouTube. He has a podcast also called the Rebel Capitalist. He goes in depth on this stuff and other financial markets kind of from, uh, I mean, he's a pro capitalist guy. So definitely a lot to learn there from him. And so I, I, I would just recommend, we'll have a link in the show notes to that. Um, I guess, is there anything else that you want to say? No, this was just a, a simple podcast to explain, you know, why we say what we do and, or maybe more so, I guess, explain why Nelson said don't do business with banks. Yeah, I guess another thing we can say is we've said it before is we do do business with banks. And yeah, there's there's some big negatives to these banks, but do the positives in your life outweigh those negatives? I mean, that that needs to be taken into consideration. For me personally, last year, um, I won't give exact numbers, but uh, for a little over $1,000 in interest, I was able to use the bank's money to create six figures Yeah, in my life of cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that that is just worth using that money. Yeah, I can't think of a case where anybody in the right mind would not have done that. Yeah, I and and believe me, I'm not the only farmer that was able to do that. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying you can see why like even though I didn't have that much capital, I was able to use somebody else's to do that. Mhm. So, it it just makes sense to do those things. Yeah, and I mean maybe things will change in the future. It doesn't look like, you know, that's that's the case though, especially with a lot of people not understanding how it works. Like Henry Ford said back in the early 1900s that if people understood how the banking system actually worked, there'd be a revolution before tomorrow morning. You know, like, it's just, we don't really have a good grasp, or most people do Very don't. few people, yeah. Another thing, um, you know, Kyle and I just went to a school this winter put on by Doug Ferguson, and um, it was a cattle marketing school. And he said, um, you know, one way that... Because it was asked, you know, what do you do to finance this? Again, anything in the farming or ranching industry is capital intensive. Um, you know, how do you decide if it's a good uh, to use the bank's money? He said, well, you know, if I can get double what I pay in interest um, to the bank, then I think it's a good deal for me. And, you know, again, it's everything's in its own context. You know, is it worth it, you know, to borrow $100 and or excuse me, pay a hundred dollars of interest and, you know, get 200. I don't know. How much time did it take you to do that? Mm-hmm. I mean, everything has to be in its own context. If you have to work an entire year for that, well, yeah, then I mean that, that, that wasn't worth it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's important to keep context, um, in perspective here as well. Yeah. That has, I mean, context is the most important thing I think in IBC or just using this as a, financial asset like what are you trying to do that is what matters the most more than policy more than policy design what are you trying to do Mm -hmm. so okay well i think that's about everything for this episode what about you kyle yep i think we got that one covered um you guys have any topics you'd like us to cover shoot us an email and we'll be back next week with a new podcast This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.